fresh from curating the very best of Australia's R&B scene, it's not Max Higgins, who will not come in till the sixth question of this chat. Uh, we are welcoming to the show Bray, better known to his fans as Boy Soda. Mate, welcome. Yo, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. It's an absolute pleasure. Max, I'm still going to mute you, but he is here. Um, we start the show the same way every week and... I continually change it and I've seen a stack of vinyls behind you. We usually ask what's spinning in your playlist, but I want to know what's spinning on your vinyl player as of late. On the what on the vinyls? Yeah, absolutely. I got my my best of the best Nostalgia Ultra. Nice. What else we got? Kid Cuddy Man on the Moon. Oh, banging record. Um, Colour and Anything, James Blake. For the bad days, you know. <laughs> Matt Corby, loved his album. Weekend, House of Balloons. Very nice. And my personal favorite, Blade Runner. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Original Blade Runner too. Didn't go for the twenty forty nine, uh, you know, vinyl re- re- release. Well, I think I think the new Blade Runner was Hans Zimmer, and the old one was Vangelis, and I love them both, but. Just that, that old cover is so cool, man. So nostalgic. I've, so for to sort of keep you or get you up to speed, I have recently invested in a record player and it's been much of a discussion. I'm having a stroke here. Much of a discussion uh, well, between hands Max up and I. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's cooking toast? No, <laughs> no it's, it's, it's been a discussion for Max and I because I'm trying to build my record collection but seeing Blade Runner there has reiterated to me the need for different genres not just in sort of the classic sense of everything in the in the charts but you do need that sort of soundtrack backing music kind of soundscape is that what I'm picking up on I think uh, I like playing vinyls because you're forced to go top to bottom and I always am just like skipping songs halfway through or jumping through. And I think just it makes it a more decisive experience to kind of sit there and listen through. So even if it's like starting the day with like, I think I have a, a CD there that's from my Nens gardening magazine and it's just bird sounds. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> I'll do that while I'm like cleaning the house or, you know, late night smoke sesh, you just, you and your homies on the floor, like on beanbags, just with Blade Runner going. <laughs> the love theme comes on with the saxophone and everyone starts kissing. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying Sets everyone's having a smoke sesh, listening to bird sounds. I was just picturing everyone going, fuck, pigeon sounds so good, man. <laughs> <laughs> Look, bird sounds and Vangelis aside, we're here to chat about your upcoming track, Sip. Look right off the bat, the track it's it's it, it packs so much in, right? Like it's built around this very this cool looping bassline groove, but then throughout the the track, there's these little snippets that have these little sort of like mini mini riffs, mini motifs, uh, and that builds up over the whole thing. Musically, like what mood were you looking to strike when you when you set out with this track? It was like any other session. I didn't really have any expectations for the song to like necessarily be mine. At the end of the day, it was just to kind of service. The people and the energies and the minds that were in the room which was um, robin maruzo and pip norman and we had this really kind of holistic um what's it called like existential conversation and just got really close on i think like a human level and i was like what are like the weirdest stems that you have 
in your hard drive or the weirdest samples where you're like, this is so weird. Like, I really hope someone uses this one day. And we were going <laughs> through, and it was just the baseline that I think um, Pip had made before. And it came on and I started going like, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And they were like, we got shoulders moving. We got shoulders moving. <laughs> and then just went from there. And um, they have such good taste, like when it comes to like sound and, and structure as well. So it was very much a process of creating this kind of beast of a song that's also very much on a leash with when, you know, it explodes and when it's compacted as well. So it was really fun to make. And yeah, I was not expecting to come out with that one that day. Not going to lie. I mean, you sort of alluded to it already, but I mean, from a production standpoint, it's it's sort of like a a real minefield to pull. It seems like one to pull together and sort of balance so many moving and interlocking parts to it. What was it like with that team behind the mixing desk? Were there some pretty honest conversations about where you wanted the, the track to go or uh, was it all sort of a seamless uh, session? It felt like we were very much kind of in the dark, kind of like feeling our way through things that could or or might work. Like we didn't really know what the end product was, which I guess is a lot of the time, you know, like sometimes you, you see the whole vision. And this one, we were like, we know it's something, we just don't know like, like how far left it goes and how far right it goes. So I think their um their taste was very, very good in being like, let's hit let's hit the pre-chorus with no vibrato so that when we hit the chorus it's kind of moving around a little bit more um you know we'll have dryness here and wetness here and i think just making those decisions finding like the night and day in different sections was something that we just gradually clawed our way to where you kind of hit that hallelujah moment where you're like oh shit <laughs> i think this is it <laughs> And it's worked out. I mean, lyrically, the song feels very confident. It feels like seductive. It's got that kind of that sort of, I guess, that late night kind of that vibe going on. You know, when you were put, pulling the track together, did you feel like vulnerable getting into that space thematically or was it just kind of did it just come together? That one really kind of felt together. Um, I've really wanted to make something that just like in my head, if I was ever going to do a a music video for it um like more of an extended version it was always like very much weekend house of balloons like underground like red lights like you know people partying and moving together and it was just that kind of like wavy at atmosphere that at the same time like the music video cuts to you and your homies in like one of those tron legacy cars just like banging <laughs> it down you know gapping everywhere I'm getting the vibe that there's a lot of there's a lot of 80s films that you're you're ready to to write to write for you know like you when they when they do the re-releases you're like yeah get me on that 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 uh, music production side. A hundred a hundred percent anything that's like Tarantino esque I'm um, I'm in I feel I, that man is so brilliant and problematic but um <laughs> he, you know he has my full attention. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean the vinyl collection sort of alluded to it, but you've never been one to shy away from mixing you know, uh, a wide sort of palette um, in your music and your previous releases sort of sample from a broad range. Um, so I guess given us the first taste of music the fans have had in, you know, a bit over nine months, why was Sip your choice for, you know, that first step forward into, 
you know the new the new music in a, a new chapter well i feel like i had a really big year last year like i did the mixtape which was 10 songs and like my first ever project was the start of that year as well um and i feel like it was so much output so i really needed nine months just to kind of come back to myself and make sure that i'm still having fun doing it you know um yeah when this career gets a little a little stressful or existential like it um it becomes like not the funnest part of your life which is stressful as an artist it was really nice to spend some time with myself for six months nine months and you know i just wanted to come back punching bro like i wanted to come back you know aggressive in a positive way you know with energy so <laughs> um i think i did de i deserve that on a personal level you know to like come back crunching and, and feel like i was doing the thing and um, yeah, it's very reflective of, of where my head's at. It is the first taste of your solo work, um, as sort of Sam alluded to, but you have been working with a few other artists uh, You know, in your Soda, Soda Sessions series. That's hard to say fast. Uh, where you, you're sort of working alongside and curating some of Australia's up-and-coming R&B talent. How did you, first of all, how did you go about choosing the talent that you wanted to work with uh, across, across the series? It was pretty much... Like, I've wanted to do this idea for the last two years and just... You know, I haven't had X resource or the time to, to do it. And while I was taking this nine months off, I was like, it's the perfect time to do it. And it really started because I have all these demos with, you know, homies and different artists around Sydney and Australia, which is, you know, really cool. But it might be too R&B for this person or too pop for me or, um, you know, for whatever reason, it's not going to come out. And I was like, there is so much crazy, crazy music. And I think the live series is is a nice way to push it out without the pressure of it being attached to, you know, an artist's image or a brand, which is what, you know, stops the song a lot of the time. So it kind of started with me looking at the people I have songs with and, you know, all people I love and respect and, and deserve the world. And, you know, Ruby, Boomchild, Billy Marie, and um, who did I start? Who am I forgetting? Um, that's so Cyrus. Billy Marie and Cyrus, my my older brother, essentially. Um, <laughs> just to be the names that came through. And we filmed it over two days and there was this really electric feeling at the end of it. You know, like, I, you know, everyone was aware that we'd done something special. Well, I'm going to sort of ask you, this will feel like a bit of a job interview because this question requires you to pump yourself up a bit. And I don't know how comfortable you are doing it, but I mean... <laughs> For you as a collaborator and a songwriter, like you touched on Cyrus, Billy Marie, you as an artist, what do you think is the, you know, the greatest attribute or skill you bring in those sessions that help these artists, you know, with their own own journey and their own musical, um, you know, music or musicianship, I guess you could say, or like lyricism, whatever you sort of do in those sessions? Um, I'm a really like picky songwriter, like not in the way that I won't, write with ex people but you know i want everything you know the older i get and the more i make music the more of a priority it becomes to me is you know getting real i love when people get nerdy about a song it's like this is the purpose of it so what are we addressing in in the verse and you know how does the perspective change in the pre to get us to this celebration or this devastation by by the chorus and you know how are we you know, aware of our, our rhyme schemes. Are we going 
A, B, or can we go A, B, A, C, you know, and like flip it and, and play with pockets. Like that shit matters a lot to me and I really, really enjoy it. So I think getting surgical about that and also, you know, having having written songs and top lining for a lot of other people over the last couple of years, it's just something that I, I really enjoy and I enjoy being of service to other people in that way and being able to tell their stories or their experiences. Um, but before that, I think... I just, I have an open mind when I come into sessions in the way that I don't expect us to make what the artist has got available publicly and they might want to make a country song that day, you know, just to get it out of their system. And I hold everyone in in very high regard and, you know, to do their ideas and their stories justice as well. So I think coming in with a clean palette every time is the biggest service that I can offer to people because then it's, you know, a more of a reactive experience than something that's maybe uh, clouded by preconceptions or, or ideas of what I think they're going to make. Well, you've got the job, so well done on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, Long answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's <Sorry>. good. <laughs> I mean, on that, it's sort of similar, but in a way, it's more just for my own personal interest what led to the choice for the robbie williams cover it was just timing man like <laughs> i was watching i was watching guy chambers who is he was like the main producer or engineer through a lot of robbie's career and i think he got instagram like recently and he was doing all these breakdowns right and he's breaking down a rock dj and this is like a month before we filmed soda sessions like i was trying to find what me and Ruby were going to do. And he's going through the rock DJ session and he's like, yeah, Robbie raps at the start. And I pause and I was like, Robbie Williams is an MC brother. Like, <laughs> I, just thought that was, I just thought that was great. And I was like, what if, what if we flipped it? And, you know, Ruby is just vocally, it's un, like, it's illegal, you know? So I thought it was a cool curveball to, to you know deliver in a very tasteful way it, it worked and it was it was a very cool tasteful rendition i suppose you know you spent a lot of time uh not just in the soda sessions but more broadly uh you know at songwriting jams and at camps um with with a lot of other artists in those environments obviously you have a few short hours if that to, to get together sit down work out how you can relate as artists and then produce a song to to kind of you know um to, to have a piece of of um, material as an output what if you have you know sort of any advice for younger artists and artists who might be stepping into those songwriting uh, camps? What's what's the thing that you kind of find is a good way to help to to connect musically and emotionally um, to 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 create that output? I think it comes back to what I said before about having an open mind about you know um, what you expect from a person, and I go into every session, you know, knowing that my job is either. You know, sometimes it's to write the whole song because that person is not flowing that day like we all do, like we have off days. And sometimes my job is to be a fly on the fucking wall and let them ride this wave that they've caught, you know, because if they're, <laughs> if they're, if they're tapped in, my the best thing I can do is give them the space to do that, you know, and, you know, interject when they ask or, you know. So it's being prepared for either end of that, that workload. Um I think is tied to the intention of just wanting to make the best product with the energies that are in that room that day. And 
knowing that you will service that as much or as little as you need to is the best approach for me coming into it because there's no attachment of, you know, you're not trying to have your X amount percent on the song. You're not thinking about whether the song comes out. You're like, there's a story to tell today. I'm going to do as much or as little as I need to service that. Finally, before we let you go, Bray, the new music has us excited for new live shows. And I know that you can't always, you know, let sort of hints fly about when and where we might see you on a stage in the next few months. But is there anything that, I mean, I know Thomas is on the line, but is there anything we can sort of know about, you know, future shows that we could get uh, get around? Yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm playing the South by Southwest, which is in Sydney in October. I'll be there 18th and the 19th. We've got two shows, new band, new set, um, running some new unreleased stuff as well. So, yeah, just like Sip is such a, a great refresher for me energetically that, you know, that's carried across to the show as well and really excited to have live drums. And, yeah, we're going we're gonna to fully go out for that one. And, um, yeah, we'll be around South by Southwest. Love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Sydney, get excited. <laughs> well, the latest uh, upcoming single from Boy Soda is Sip. It's dropping uh, September 21st. Check out his Soda sessions with a whole stack of artists on YouTube to see the, the songwriting process come together across a whole range of tracks and genres. And by the sounds of it, get down to South by Southwest Sydney on the 18th and 19th of October to see uh, to see Sip live. Bray, thanks for, for taking the time today to, to have a chat with us. It's been uh, It's been great. You boys are the best. I appreciate your time very much. And I also just realized I have this like scab in the middle of my head with such bad timing for like PR on. And I was at, I was at the homie Club Angels gig. He was playing Civic Underground. And I walked into a shelf at 2 a.m. and just had this like little bit of blood coming down my face. And it's just, yeah, it's a tattoo now. So I don't know if this is going live, but there was an accident. There was a ca- catastrophic accident, everybody. Hey, my image has been punished. Music-related injury. You can claim it on tax. <laughs> exactly. I love the way you think. <laughs> Pay attention. Time is fleeting. Don't be reckless. Stop the bleeding because the river going to run you dry. Oh, said you never say you i
taste it on my tongue. You feel the chemical. 